All right, let's talk about bones. Osteoporosis. So we have the bones, we have the, the bone cycle in terms of we call um, uh, the dormant bone, I forget what the name for it is. Quiescent, yes. Quiescent bone, and then you break down the bone with osteoclasts, then you build it back up with osteoblasts. Now, um, what, are, what are the four function, major functions of bone? Support, store calcium, and we're missing one. Blood cells. Out of bone. Physiologically speaking, the most important ones are calcium storage and <coughs> blood production. And you guys are going to forget that, and it's going to be on your final, and you're going to get it wrong because you're just not remembering that. Yes, calcium storage and blood production, very, very important. So you're going to need to know the calcium cycle and the, uh, calcium, the, the calcium hormones. What are the two hormones? Calcitonin and parathyroid hormone. Uh, I'm not going to go over all that again because it's on the podcast. Um, now, in as a kid, our body starts putting down calcium into the bones. And that continues up until what age? 30. Then at 30, starts being level. And it goes level until we, women get to about 50. 80 in men and then it starts to go down about one to two percent a year in some patients it goes down quicker those patients are more at risk for osteoporosis also patients who did not have enough calcium intake when they were younger are more at risk for osteoporosis some other things that put a person at risk their race who's most likely to get it Asians Asians Hispanic and whites whites are kind of in the middle and then who's least likely to get it? African descent. Um, people who are small framed and thin, underweight, tend to be more likely to get it. So it's good to be a little pudgy in terms of osteoporosis. Some of you have some work to do on that regard. Um, <laughs> smoking can cause a person to be more at risk. Sedentary lifestyle. Weight-bearing exercise causes calcium to increase, so sedentary lifestyle causes it to decrease. Um, glucocorticoid therapy. So patients who have COPD or Crohn's disease or anything else where they're taking chronic steroids are more likely to get osteoporosis. Okay. What's today's topic, anyway? That's meaningless to me. <laughs> okay, well, if you have any questions, if you have any questions, email me. Okay. Oh, you're stuck here. <laughs> They're so much cooler than you guys. <laughs> no, their grades are more crucial. That's true. <laughs> but if they don't come into the program, there won't be a program. Okay. 
Okay. Yes, you're very important. <laughs> okay. Uh, where were we? <laughs> Glucocorticoids. Okay. So those are the major risk factors for osteoporosis. Um, what's the best way to treat osteoporosis? Never get it in the first place. So, and I said, what's the best treatment for it? And it says prevention, right? No, it says vitamin D. Was prevention not an option though? Mm -hmm. Well, see, there you go. Depends on what the options of the question are. If, if it, if it says prevention on there, you better, better darn well choose prevention. (laughs) Yes. Now, no matter what, no matter what drugs a patient is on for osteoporosis, or to even to prevent osteoporosis, what do they have to have or it won't work? Calcium and, vitamin calcium and vitamin D. So when a patient takes a calcium supplement, what's the most important thing? Elemental iron. The amount of elemental iron. Calcium. She's in iron deficiency. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> okay. All right, so the most important thing is the amount of elemental calcium. All right, before we get too much into the treatment, what are the, what are the effects of osteoporosis? Okay, getting shorter. What else? Compression fractures, which can cause kyphosis and scoliosis. What about lordosis? Not so much lordosis. That's, I don't know. All right, I don't even know how people stand like this. <laughs> There's quite a few girls on this campus who walk around playback. Do you say so? Bubble butts. Okay. All right. Um, so they're going to get shorter, going to get that, more at risk for fractures. Um, so some common fractures they can get. We've talked about the vertebral, vertebral hip, um, wrist fractures of falling, and hip fractures. If, they, if they're active and exercise, also they can get foot fractures. So my mother-in-law actually has osteopenia and the reason they found it, she was doing a lot of dancing, had some foot pain, went to the doctor, x-rayed it, you've got a stress fracture, and you, by the way, you also have osteopenia. Um, okay, so why do we care so much about osteoporosis? Okay, because hip fractures lead to death. Um, I think your your slides say like 50%, but I think the new numbers now, it's gone down only 25% of people with hip fractures die in the first year. So yay, we're doing better at treating them now. Um, but it, uh, have you guys worked with anyone with hip fractures yet in clinical? Hip replacements. Hip replacements, I mean. Hip replacements are incredibly painful, take a long time to recover from, and some patients never fully recover, especially if the reason they got the hip, frac- hip replacement in the first place was because of a fracture. Yeah. So it's a huge expense, even if the patient lives. 
and it's a very, very long recovery time. We wanted to prevent that from happening in the first place. So treating for osteoporosis is extremely important. Why else is treating for osteoporosis important? Posture. Okay, why is posture important? Respiratory status is highly influenced by posture. If you're kyphotic, you, you, you just can't expand your lungs as well as if you don't. And if you've got scoliosis on top of it, even worse. All right, so treating it. The, the foundation of treatment is prevention. prevention. Um, vitamin, D. vitamin D and calcium. Okay, so no matter what they're on, they need to have vitamin D and calcium. Now, what are the other drugs that we can give them? What's the most effective drug so far? Fosamax, which is a biphosphonate. And how does it work? Okay, so when the bone gets broken down, it's going to incorporate itself into the bone. Then the next time it's time for that bone to get broken down, it's going to inhibit the osteoclast. When the osteoclast begins to eat it, it's going to go, that tastes bad. I don't want that. So it will bind the calcium in the bone. It incorporates itself into the bone. Because yeah, the bone cycle, the bone gets broken down, then built back up, broken down, then built back up. As it gets broken down and built back up, it's going to become part of the bone. And then the next time it's time for that bone to get broken down again, it's going to prevent it from being broken down. Um, no. So it still goes through the phase, but it doesn't get broken down as much, and then it gets built back up more. It doesn't get broken down as much, builds back up more. What's the major side effect or adverse effect of um, Fosamax? Heartburn and esophagitis and other stomach stuff. It can cause ulcers, all kinds of nasty stuff. So patients need to take it how? Okay, without food, empty stomach. Because if you take it with food, it won't absorb. 30 minutes before, down. 30 minutes before eating or lying down. And they need to take it with a full glass of water. Only water. Only water. No juice, no coffee. That will... Yeah. Yeah. Now, the good thing about Fosamax is how often does it have to be taken? Weekly. Once a week. Now, you said daily or weekly. Yes. It's better to give it weekly. Yeah, the problem with giving it daily is most patients won't take it okay. properly. And then they'll end up either not treating the osteoporosis or they'll end up with the side effects. Perfect. And what is the sit up like for 30 minutes? So because it'll, it prevents reflux, which can cause the esophagitis. <coughs> All right, the next drug class doesn't work very well at all is calcitonin, which comes from salmon, interestingly enough. Really? Yep. And it basically works the same way calcitonin in your body works. Uh, what's the, so in addition, to treating in, yeah, in addition to treating osteoporosis, what else can we treat with calcitonin? 
What does calcitonin do in your body? takes calcium out of the blood. So we can treat what condition with calcitonin? Hypercalcemia. So in general, you're not going to see many patients on calcitonin for osteoporosis. More often, you'll see it for hypercalcemia. All right, the next drug class we can use is artificial female hormone receptor thingy, Evista or raloxifene. And it's going to inhibit certain um, estrogen receptors, and then it's going to activate others. So we can use it to treat osteoporosis. What are the side effects? What? Okay, fetal harm can destroy little babies. DVTs and smokers, just like regular estrogen, and hot flashes, which is really ironic because you know, you'd think an estrogen receptor thing would cause the opposite. All right, and then there's one more drug, which is artificial parathyroid hormone, which would ordinarily take calcium out of the bones, but if you give it in little doses, little, you know, give it a very small dose, and then wait a month, it actually stimulates bone production. I guess it's kind of like insulting someone. Oh, you're chicken, you can't do it. Oh, yes, I can, I'll show you. I guess that's how it works. It's the only drug that we have that actually causes buildup of bone. What do all the others cause? Loss of, they prevent breakdown. Okay, that's it for osteoporosis. See, we're done early. What do we need to know? You need, yeah. I mean, I don't need to know everything. Yeah. Just ask those two questions that we already did. Maybe. All right. Um, yeah, you definitely need to know acid-base balance, electrolyte imbalance, and um, CBC analysis. The anemias, and you'll probably need probably have an infection question or two as well. Can you like be a little bit more specific because that's like a lot. So broad. Okay. You have to like go back and study all. All right. That. What kind of what? Thank you. <laughs> it really is. All right. How would you know if a patient if a patient has an infection? Okay, temperature, white blood cell count, and cultures, symptoms. Those are the big four. Yeah. So, so temperature, white blood cells, cultures, and symptoms. Now, what what have we been talking about most recently? Osteoporosis, and then renal, and then before that. Thyroid, and before that, diabetes. What do diabetes and renal have in common? A lot. So, okay, so diabetes can cause renal failure. And if you've got a patient, and they also cause nerve problems, neurogenic neuropathies and stuff. So do you think you're likely to have a patient who's got a UTI of some kind on your test? So you think you might want to know how we would know a patient has a UTI? And do you think we might want to know <coughs> how you treat a UTI? Yeah. And you'll probably, I mean, respiratory is always very important. And we've got patients with osteoporosis. 
and osteoporosis can cause kyphosis and scoliosis, which could cause what disease to get worse? We like to learn about COPD and how do we treat COPD? Bronchodilators and steroids. And if you've got a patient who's got COPD and they can't expand their lungs as well, they're at risk for getting what infections? Pneumonia. So you might want to know how to treat pneumonia. See, it's all... Pathopharm 1 and Pathopharm 2 are not two separate courses. They're, they're one big course. So your final exam is going to be comprehensive from the very beginning. Yeah. And, yeah, and you know, everything goes back to those, those you know, everything, come, everything comes back to nerves. How many times have we talked about sympathetic stimulation? How many times have we talked about anticholinergic drugs? Yeah. How many times have we talked about inflammation? Yeah. All those beginning things, you know, they, they're not to forget. They're to bring with you. And what I have discovered is that students are very, very good at learning what I tell them to learn right now and then forget it, but you can't. Yeah. And the other thing is, if you can remember the stuff we've done in Pathopharm 1 and Pathopharm 2, MedSurge will be a breeze for you. If you can't, MedSurge is going to be very difficult. So I'm really doing you a favor by making you go back and study all that old stuff. I know it doesn't seem like it, but it is. How many questions? Um, I don't know yet. It's either going to be 75 or 100. Well, it'll be, let me say, it'll be between 75 and 100. I don't know. I don't know.